Hi, and welcome to This Property Life, a property podcast talking to ordinary people doing extraordinary things in property. I'm Caroline Claydon. I'm a property investor and trainer. And this week, we have the privilege of speaking to Charlie Sullivan, who I've known for a number of years and was brought into property from his desire to have a more flexible life and to be a family guy. He is really proud of the time that he spends with his family and to be the best father that he possibly can be. He now helps other people achieve exactly the same goal. And I know that you're in for a really special treat with this episode this week. Hey, Charlie, brilliant to see you today. Great to be on. Thanks for having me, Caroline. Oh, do you know, we've just had a little confab before we press the record button, like trying to remember when we first met and how it all came about and uh, years and years and years ago, but a lot changes in property, doesn't it? A lot changes. Yeah, it's the ever-changing landscape. I think um, always always twists and turns, but yeah, we've packed a lot into the last few years, so it's been good fun. Yeah, it's great fun. So not without its challenges, but I think our listeners are in for a real treat today because Mm -hmm. When I first met you, I was struck by, um, well, first of all, you were very, very professional because you came from a corporate background, um, suited and booted and very slick, right? Top, um, top hat and cane. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was actually um, the, the authentic, uh, ethical version um, of you and, and, and the whole reason you got into property that really warmed at me to to you and why we've uh, always got on so well so can you just kick off and give a little background of pre-property what was your life like and then what drew you into that pathway yeah so um i'm originally from south manchester stockport to be uh, exact and uh, i grew up in in that area and i actually ended up going to university in newcastle newcastle upon tyne up in the tune where i studied mechanical engineering and basically was following in the footsteps of my father you know my superman the guy who could fix anything um that's what i tell my kids now whenever anything breaks i'm like daddy can fix <laughs> and they always go nothing um but yeah i was uh i went up there to study a proper degree that's that's what i was hoping it was and did four years as a mechanical engineer up there I then went off into industry. Uh, the Northeast has got a very rich heritage in subsea engineering. A lot of its services, Aberdeen and the North Sea. And so uh, I found myself working as a graduate design engineer in um, an engineering business. And uh, yeah, had a, had a great career in engineering, really enjoyed it. I wasn't suited for a technical role. I think in those industries, you're either very technical and you love doing designs or you lack some of the technical skills like me, but you're a better talker. So you get moved into sales or management. And uh, and that's what I did. So did that for about 10, 12 years and eventually was was very fortunate to land in a company that was growing. And I basically took over the sales department for the oil and gas side of that business where we grew it rapidly over a few years and ended up floating it on the stock market in 2018. So made some money, which was great. Uh, But at that point, we'd started a family. My wife's from the Northeast and we'd had our first kid. We had one on the way and we were like, like many people starting to feel the, just the fatigue, I think that comes from working in the corporate world and just feeling like you're a, a hamster on a wheel, trying to earn a little bit more money 
which means paying more tax, which means constantly striving to sort of get to that next position um, in the hope that it will afford you the life that you want, but probably realizing that it won't <laughs> unless you, you're very, very fortunate. And so um, in answer to your question, we started to explore ways to create a secondary income stream. And um, <clears throat> property was one of a few things that we that we looked at. And spoiler alert, we we ended up um, landing on it. So what other was... things did you look at? What other things did you look at? Just out of interest. I, I mean, I'll be honest. It wasn't a, a it wasn't a massive research exercise. We probably looked at things like I don't, I don't even think like you know cryptocurrency was was big no. or on the up. I didn't really like the fact that you couldn't touch and feel it. I think we, you know, looked at could I start a business in something else, but I don't really know what I could do. Like I, I was an engineer, and like I said, I, I couldn't really leave my job and go tout myself about as a really good engineer because <laughs> I was more in sales. So I'd have had to start somewhere, somewhere else. And um, yeah, I, th I think we just thought we loved the idea of getting into property. Um, my my dad, who'd been in engineering had been in property development as well and we'd had conversations previously um and so it was kind of revisiting those conversations that led us to 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 really get stuck into property okay so you made the decision that property was going to be your secondary income stream then what because lots of people make that decision right and then they mm. actually just get stuck they're just like start looking on right move and they start going oh how much money do i need and oh, i'll read a book or you know and and, and then they just seem to fl flap around for a while so yeah. how did you overcome all of that well the first idea came in 2009 when i was just fresh out of uni really and was living with my best mate rory and we were talking about ways to make money and property came up rory was from bradford and we were talking about buying an end terraced house turning it into a shop with a flat above we thought this was like genius idea you know and we'd make loads of money so we basically contacted my dad who was the only person we knew who'd had any experience in property and asked his advice and, and input on it and my dad wrote back this big long email which I've, i keep to this day and it's kind of been a bit of a blueprint for our business but it was i didn't realize the power of it at the time but it was like a father's letter to a son basically saying look son Property is a great route to wealth. You make your money when you buy, not when you sell. Make sure you have your little book of trades. Um, you have things like never pay an architect a percentage, always pay him a fixed amount. And um, and it was just all these little pearls of wisdom that he'd got, not from any training, but from like the hard, you know, university of life of like getting it wrong and losing money and making money and stuff. And so he sort of ends this letter saying, let's, let's get a day together and let's plan it out. It's a good idea. That was on the Thursday. And you know, fortunately, that was the last thing I ever got from my dad because on the Sunday he died in a helicopter crash. So he died very quickly. And um, yeah, we, we kind of reeling from that. Um, I remember at the funeral, Rory saying, look, keep that letter. That'll be a blueprint for you one day. But I was young, you know, I was 23. I was just trained in engineering. I wanted to like give it a go. So I put that letter away. And then once I got married and we had kids and we started to think about what life we want for our children and our family, pulled that letter out and went, right, maybe this is what we should be doing. And responded to a little Facebook ad, went to one of these things, coming here, a two hour workshop, went, went along, 
heard somebody bouncing around at the front of the room talking about property is a great route to wealth. You make your money when you buy, not when you sell. And I thought I've heard this before. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, have your little book of trades and uh, and all this stuff. So it sort of felt like a timing thing, you know, and I thought, right, this is it. And um, and so we decided because we were time poor, we were cash poor at that point. A lot of it was tied up in in our life and, and hadn't taken any out that business at that point. Um, we went ahead with some like formal training, uh, spent a load of money on it and um, used that as the motivation to make sure we earned it back. So, yeah. And uh, yeah, no, no regrets. People might be surprised to hear is I know there's a lot of people that have maybe look at that way of doing things. And, and I think the industry's changed a lot yeah. in the last few years. But for us, it was it was sort of like the right place at the right time and, and feel like it's what we needed. We, we were immediately immersed into a network. We were immediately immersed into like high quality training you know, good information. And we had that big why, you know, we had that massive reason why of like, let's get out of our jobs, let's sack the boss. <laughs> and um, the combination of all those things just led to us not having a plan B. Like, we were like, if you've ever heard the phrase burn the ships, you know, like the, the Vikings, they, they used to burn the ships and when they went to war and like, we were like, that's it. Plan A is make it work. So, yeah, no way back. You're in, you're in. I yeah. think that is, Psychologically, it's quite a, um, an incredible step to make because when you do, you know, make that financial commitment that you're gonna do it, and yeah. that's it. There, there is no other option. Yeah. Um, okay, so what was the first strategy? You're time poor. Both of you time poor. So you know, a lot of our listeners will be in the situation that you um, and your wife were in. So, what strategy did you opt for off of that? Well, we thought we were time poor until we sat down with somebody who said, what are you doing with your week? And we realized a lot of it got wasted. And even with the busy lives that we had, we had, um, I was traveling internationally. Like I said, we had a kid and one on the way. G was working uh, full time as well. But even within that, we didn't need 40 hours a week to do property. We probably needed five to 10 at that point. And we could find that within starting a little bit earlier in the day, finishing a little bit later and looking at it as the next six months, if we can commit consistently and have some discipline about it and maybe miss out the odd takeaway or the odd bit of Netflix or, you know, those things that we kind of go, oh, we, we say to ourselves, oh, I'm tired. Well, you're not really. We, just, we get a bit lazy sometimes, don't we? And, and actually go, look, the motivation is look at where we could get to. Like, and if, if, is the juice worth the squeeze? That's something I say quite a lot. And in, in our case, it was, it was like, look, we can literally get to a point where we never have to work for anybody ever again. So is it really that big of a sacrifice? So um, first strategy was we wanted to get to 2000 pound a month cash flow, yep. which we worked out as four buy to lets and one HMO. So that was four buy to lets at 250 pound profit a month. Yep. Um, and the HMO was a thousand pound a month. And so we were like, right, five properties in six months. That that was our plan. Um, we felt like to get that, we were told you got to view 30 houses or get 30 offers in per one that you'll get accepted. Yeah. So we went on this big campaign to view 120 houses in three months, uh, which again, sounds like a lot, but between two of you, um, it's, it's 10 a week, you know? 
and yeah. you can view 20 in a day if you if you get your your uh, your bookings right um, yeah. and have time spare because we did it so that was it it was it was all a numbers thing it was like to get to there we've got to reverse engineer it and maybe that's where my sort of engineering logical put everything in a box thinking came in because it just became a mathematical thing of like if it's not working we're either a not doing the right things or b looking at the wrong things so something's got to change and um and that was it but the the buy to let even though we were like let's do a buy to let just to get started it was actually a hmo that we got first and wow. we got the offer accepted i then got freaked out that i'd done the numbers wrong so i pulled out the deal <laughs> and um and I think it cash flowed like 1,250 at the time per month. And it left a chunk in, like it, it did leave like something like 20, 30 grand in. And right. I remember thinking, right, uh, I think I've over-egged the, the donut value. Um, and I went to speak to somebody and they said, well, could you angel the money that you leave in? I said, yeah, like, I've got a few people interested. It cost me a couple of hundred quid a month. And they yeah. said, right, so you're still making a thousand pound a month. And I said, yeah. And they said, I'd do that deal. And I went, uh-oh. <laughs> and I was like straight on the phone to the agent, like I've made a terrible mistake. I can't get back in. And uh, fortunately it was still available and we've still got that HMO to this day. And it's, it's, it's a, uh, it's a great performer. Yeah. It's always yeah. full. It is always scary. The first one, isn't it? You do yeah. overthink it. People always overthink it. Go, what if this, what if that, what if this, what if that? And you're right. I think someone with fresh pair of eyes, just doing that worst case scenario, you know, okay. So imagine if you have to leave some money in, how bad is that? And like you say, it was like, Oh, I can handle that. Yeah. And, and it, again, like, even with that money, it's never been an issue, you know, because we've always, we've done more deals. And I think you, you you live in this mindset of like, well, if it's the only one I ever do, I'm stuffed. But actually, like, the, the more you do this, the better you get and the better your deals get. And, and yeah. so, yeah, I look back now and it's just that age old saying, I wish I'd done more. Yeah. There's, deal, there's deals I held off on that I yeah. should have pushed on. And, yeah. uh, but the past is the past though. Yeah, hindsight and all that. So that yeah. 2,000 pounds a month, did, what did that mean? Did that mean that Jean could leave her job or you could go part-time? What did that number signify <clears throat> for you? No, so we didn't leave our jobs at that point. This was 2017. So we actually didn't leave our jobs till 2019. And okay. um, that was partly strategic because there was some comfort in the guaranteed income that yeah. came from jobs. And also mortgage mortgageability was, yeah. was helpful. But um, <clears throat> what that meant was we we read an article, which you I think you'll be familiar with the deadline to the breadline article, legal and general. Yeah. And it's available for anybody listening. If you Google it, it's a study that legal and general do every single year on how close the average UK household is to the breadline if they were to lose their income tomorrow. Yeah. And at the time we looked at it back then, it was 60 days. And that scared us because we were like, oh, my gosh, you know, that's like two months. Um, and we just didn't want that to be our story. You know, we wanted to think if anything happened to me or to my wife and our growing family, um, that we'd at least cover the bills. So that was the original goal. Cover the mortgage, gas, electricity, water, council tax. That was it. Um, what's interesting now is that number's gone down. I don't know if you've seen recently in 2020, that went down to, I think 24 days mm. and now it's down to 19. Oh, it's uh, the last time I it's looked at it, it was, it was really brutal reading. And mm. you do think we're, you know, we're in a developed country. We're a wealthy country. Actually, 
the majority of people really are mm. on the breadline um, on mm. a daily basis. It's tough, tough times. So that was the driver really was just do that and then double it and double again. That, that was it. There was no, there's nothing more convoluted than that. <laughs> so Vitalets, HMOs, and you're very humble in saying, I've just done Vitalets and HMOs. I've seen what you do on Instagram. The big back Had to you. brick, <laughs> big back to brick, the big stressful stuff that, you know, I'm doing as well. And we all know how stressy it is. Yeah. What uh, what gave you the confidence or, or, or what drove you to go into the big, scary development side of it? Um. I think, you know, in terms of what gave me the confidence, I think I've always wanted to push for, for a bit more and, you know, push myself and stretch myself. I think I had a bit of a creative, like an itch I wanted to scratch when it comes to that stuff. I wanted to learn about multi-unit blocks and, and convert buildings into flats and things like that. And also I wanted to diversify so that we could be competitive, you know, across different strategies and, and have options if things were to um, not go well in one particular strategy. So that was one thing. I think the other thing, if I'm being brutally honest with you, uh, if that's okay, <laughs> is, you know, I was probably a bit bored in lockdown and we, I definitely pushed on some deals and went with some deals that in hindsight now, I think I'd be a little bit more cautious of to say no to because, you know, it's hard. Like I come from a sales and business development background where it's like push and close and and that's fun. Like the chase is fun. That's what I love. I don't really like doing refurbs, but in lockdown when the world just stopped, it was like, I didn't really have much to chase. So uh, when things, when the things came up, maybe there was part of me that was kind of trying to put a bit of a square peg in a round hole. And, um, and, and it, when I look at it now and I think about the time that some of those large projects have taken and I think how many single little houses could I have done in that time and just smash them out one after the other. Yeah. Um, there's a strong case to say that that might have been a better option to have just stuck to, to one. But um, but then I'd have missed out on the experience and the, the relationships and the contacts and, and all of that that I've gained from doing them. So I don't it's, know. I, I don't we, regret we... Uh, we do get caught up, don't we? Because you get bored easily doing the same strategy over and over again. Mm. You think, mm, okay, well, five bytelets is the equivalent of one HMO. Well, five HMOs is the equivalent of maybe a block of units, right? A much bigger block of units is the equivalent of, you know, mm. the hotel or the care yeah. home or whatever. You, and you do feel like you keep pushing. But, you know, I had someone ask me recently, when do you stop? Like, what? Mm. what why do you keep doing <laughs> Why do you keep doing it? And to be honest, I, I was like, good question. And, mm. and then actually my answer was, I haven't reached my full potential yet. I know I haven't. Mm. And we, we do sort of strive uh, to, to do that. How, so, how will you know when you've reached it? <laughs> yeah, well, I'll just change the goalposts again. <laughs> but, but that's it, isn't it? Like, I, I sort of think that, you know, I always remember this saying, which is like, I don't know who said it and it's quite, people will have heard it, but they say you never regret spending, um, you know, uh, what's saying you'll, you'll never look back and regret having spent more time with your children. Yeah. You know, you won't, you won't look back and go, I wish I'd just spent less time with them. Like, so <laughs> what I don't want to do is get, because life's different now, you know, we've, we've got like friends who are younger than us who haven't got kids in there, you know, it's all push, drive, grow, expand, all of that stuff. And yeah. now you know, we've just had like last week, I had a daughter turn three, a son turn five, 
and I've got another daughter who turns nine in September. But like, you know, it, the week was a write-off with parties and and stuff that they're doing. And you can look at it and go, oh god, you know, that was a just a two bank holidays. You know, I can't actually do any work. And I'm like, actually, like, you know, I was at a street dance party yesterday for, for them both, and I was having a right laugh. You know, and I think like I'm creating memories and experiences, and this was the whole reason. You know, it's kind of full circle this this is the whole reason we got into property which was to create the life that we want that we don't have to take holidays from that we don't have to ask permission if we can have a day off it's like you know i'll walk my kids to school with my wife if i want to if i don't i don't and, and vice versa so it's like we for us what enough is like when we're at that point and then it's okay there's other things we want to do philanthropic things and and stuff like that that will will come into play but I don't want to be in a position where I look back and go, I just didn't know when to stop. Just kept getting bigger and bigger and it affected my relationships. I'm listening to uh, the top five regrets of the dying at the moment, which doesn't, doesn't sound the most in, you know, uplifting um, of books, but it has, well, I've shed a wee tear when I've been listening to it. Mm. There are one of the, one of the regrets is I wish I hadn't worked so hard. Um, and you're spot on. You do it so that, you know, you can be that full-time parent. And uh, yeah, my boy was in hospital last week for a couple of nights. I was staying with him. He's in for an operation this week and all that stuff that when you can be there. Um, I mean, our kids are probably going to need therapy when they're older because we're always there, right? But um, Mine are just sick of, sick of visiting building sites. Why do we always go to like smashed up houses? <laughs> Well, I'll tell you in a bit. Yeah. Get your hard hat on, high vis jacket on. It's good for it. Could be photo op. So I, 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 I say it like I haven't got the full balance yet. You know, it's hard being 100% present, isn't it? When you've got things on your mind, and I'm not on at the top of the mountain yet, but there's always that thing on my mind. And I think some, oh, yeah, I think no, lo losing my dad suddenly made me go, okay, tomorrow's not guaranteed. So I always have that little voice that's like, is it really worth it? You yeah. Know, if it's not. Yeah take the afternoon off and just go be with your kids you know? yeah yeah and I love that and on, on all honesty that book that I am listening to at the moment that has made me worry so much less like things that yeah, I would yeah. maybe stress about or worry about oh the QS needs this or I need to get that for this person yeah. or this report and and you think in three years time that that's not gonna matter none of that's <laughs> no. gonna matter in fact it's probably not no, gonna exactly. matter next month you know so yeah chill out so you you touched on um you know the, the cream on top helping others um what would you say is um in in your vision for the next couple of years or your why that we talk about um mm. what, what as, a, as a family unit the five of you um what's that going to look like over the next couple of years or so um i think i want I, so i genuinely want to be a great father and a great husband. I want to be present and I want to be all the things that I feel like, you know, will help my, give my kids the best start in life. And sometimes that's like, you know, having those difficult conversations with them, isn't it? And sometimes it's teaching them the importance. Like my eldest was, you know, she wasn't too happy that the other two were getting treats and it was their birthday, but you know, you've got to, you've got to be happy for other people, haven't you? Sometimes it's, the light's not always on you. And so we had a few uncomfortable conversations and that comes with being a parent, I think. But I think, I think moving forwards, I'm, I'm very, very aware that the next 10 years of my life are 
some are probably going to be the most memorable as like as a family you know in terms of the development of of my growing family and so that's a big focus and emphasis which will just go and i know it will because the last 10 years have just flown and um so i think there's a big emphasis there um i've always wanted to i've always been inspired by people that use their business skills to to help others but from a place of strength you know i I think i want to be able to give out but you can't i don't think you can give out from an empty cup you know and and i want to be able to do something from a position of strength whether that's fund other people's businesses whether that's you know coach or mentor in a way that isn't just like a financial gain for me but something that can raise up the next generation or like just leave and impart something in in others where they just go you know like that 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 can form part of my legacy i think um i like that like and i i was always inspired by that with my dad as he wasn't up at the front of the room kind of guy he was a behind the scenes so you know his skill in business he would he would fight the the battles with the solicitors and the barristers on behalf of like people in the community who just didn't have that skill set and that was his thing and it was and sort of like an unsung hero in that regard he just got on about his business quietly and you know and he's a bit bit socially awkward he wasn't everybody's cup of tea but he just he knew what he was good at and he was very effective at it and so i guess i'm trying to figure out what i'm really good at and where i can help the most and do something the most and i'm i'm quite open to what that might look like but at the minute it's my bringing my business experience corporate experience which is currently in the property world and sort of partnering those things up but i think moving forwards i love building brands i love building companies and i love investing in in people that have great ideas like i, I will get out of the way if i think somebody's better than me or they're, they're more capable like I, I don't want consider myself to have like too big an ego for for that um and i just believe that by doing that hopefully i'll end up flying higher you know because i'll be surrounded by by better people who see that i've not been out to try and get them i've been there to try and help and support in the way that i can so yeah i, love I don't that. know if that answers your question no totally and i think i think that is why we um we clicked when we first met was there is no ego and we this industry is full of them right property industry and i think it's been highlighted and ex- exaggerated more with social media um maybe back when we started social media wasn't as massive as it is now um and you, you kind of really just had robert kiyosaki as a global person to kind of look up to and, and learn from yeah. from book but mm. now you've got on every street corner somebody talking about you know how they're the best, mm. um, and 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 I definitely feel uncomfortable um, in this industry uh, with that, and I know you do too. Mm. Um, and I think this whole being in the background and being the best uh, that you can be and being comfortable with the person that you are is is probably going to just make us uh, more comfortable. Yeah, like I, I'm, you know, I mean, you you know, I'm 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 a committed Christian. I go to church every week, and I'm, I'm for me like. I the model of like the best model of leadership that I see is servant leadership, you know, people who are willing to to do any job, really, you know, like the CEO should pick up a crisp packet in the car park. It's not somebody else's job. And I think 
I'm drawn to leaders like that who I see those qualities in humility, character, integrity, excellence, like doing more than what's expected. It's not about trying to be perceived as uh, perfect. You know, it's about striving that you're trying to be better tomorrow. But hey, I've got a ton of flaws. <laughs> like, don't get me wrong, because I think I think people see through all the all the BS, you know. And so, um, as as we briefly discussed, I want to be somebody that. Somebody, I'll let someone else conclude who, who I am and what I'm about and what my values and character are. I shouldn't have to um, preach that from the rooftops on social media and say, hey, I'm like this. And you should like me because I'm all these things, whereas those people over there are like that. Like, that's just not me. I'm, I'm got no interest in trying to do that. I just think it's tiring. <laughs> you know, if you're constantly on that wheel trying to, uh, promote this idea that you are a certain way. Um, just let, let people decide, you know, let people look, look at somebody's life. Like, are they living what they're preaching? Are they practicing what they're preaching? Do they walk the talk? Um, if they do great, if not, there's other people out there that do. So go find them. And so that's it. I just try and trying to run in my lane, not worry about what anybody else is doing. And, yeah. um, it's weird because you tend to attract people who have a similar, mindset yeah. and value system and, and that's what I'm definitely seeing yeah I totally agree and every time um I have a, a softer conversation around the mindset and, and what we've just discussed here rather than the property side it, it fascinates me how um worried people are about what others think of them um and again like what other people think of you is none of your business you need to be comfortable in your own skin and be able to look yourself in the mirror and go okay I'm making money but I'm doing it in an ethical way and mm. I'll help that vendor get more money from a different offer even though I didn't buy it and all of those things I think uh, intrinsically uh, link with how you operate as a business owner or an investor or a trainer or a coach or a mentor um and like you say like attracts like the right yeah. people to you. Yeah, I, I think if you if you start with, I could be wrong about this. <laughs> like, it's not a bad place to start, you know. And um, I think people are fearful of of being that that honest because they'll think someone will think they're an idiot, or well, they should know that they shouldn't. Or so and so says they know that, and why don't you? Know? And it's like actually, you break down a lot of those barriers and walls when you just say, look, we all get stuff wrong. You know, it's it's a, it's part of learning. Um, yeah. And I'm going to start from the point of view that I think this is right, but might not be, you know. And and so that way, if you are wrong, it's not it's not egg on your face. It's just uh, it's a, it's it's a learning, right? A lesson, a lesson. Yeah, we life. all we, we all fail. Like that's how you learn to walk. You know, you've got to fall down a few times, don't you? So if you've got if we've got any listeners um, tuning in right now that are literally just at the stage of thinking about property or they've made the decision that property is for them, but they're not really sure what to do. Have you got like two pieces of advice for anyone starting um, uh, out, you know, things that you've learned from your experience? Yeah, I think number one is don't let anybody tell you that you can't do it that it was if it worked for somebody else it won't work for you it's just not true uh, and if if you choose to believe what they say about you and, and what they think then you'll go down that road but if you have this conviction that look i really feel like it's something we want to do then go for it firstly that that's the first thing i'd say you you can do it like anybody can do it whatever your starting point and sometimes those that start with the least 
can have yeah. the biggest growth trajectory because yeah. they've got nothing to lose and everything yeah. to gain. And the amount of people I've met that have started with this, like, oh, I've, I've ring fenced this part. It's taken me ages to earn. It's like they're sometimes the hardest people to get going because they don't want to let go of it. Whereas yeah. somebody who's got no money is like, yeah, no problem. I'll go raise it. You know, so uh, that's that's the first thing. And I think the second thing is to then understand that your environment is very, very powerful. And, and the people that you mix with will influence you, whether that's colleagues, family, friends, whatever. So make some strategic steps to put yourself in an environment where you're going to grow the best. See it like a greenhouse, right? You know, if you're in this shady wood and you can't get any light and you're trying to grow, you're never going to grow. You've got to take yourself out of that place, plant yourself in a greenhouse where you've got good soil, good water, good light, and you'll do well. So, you know, the analogy there is to get yourself around people that can help train, coach, educate, motivate you. On a bad day, they'll say, suck it up, get on with it. We're all going through it. You're fine. You know, have your little have your little pity party and tomorrow's a new day. Like you need that. I need that. You yeah. know, my wife's great at telling me that. <laughs> Try your eyes, sunshine. That's my favorite thing. Try your yeah. eyes. Issue for that tier. Yeah. Um, no, I think you know. that's brilliant, brilliant advice. You know, you're, you become your own environment. Absolutely. Yeah. A, a result of your environment. So amazing yeah. advice. I love catching up with you. And you know what? I know that you're really heavily um, invested in helping other people reach their goals just as people helped us mm. um, and so I know that some of our listeners will want to reach out to you reels and and uh, little dance I've seen you dance on your uh, reels <laughs> and I tell you the dance the dad dancing the dad dancing is uh, pretty special so uh, yeah, you've, you've, remi yeah. you've reminded me I'm, it's, I'm probably overdue a dancing reel but um that's that's the other thing I think uh I'll, I'll get off my soapbox in a sec but the property industry is got some amazing people in it um but it's also got some there's some very dull corners of the industry that that i just don't take yourself too seriously basically like it's, there's some very serious accounts out there and people pushing all these messages and fear monger you know like scaring people and so sometimes i just think I just bring a bit of fun and a bit of lightheartedness and I just post what interests me and what I find humorous. And at the end of the day, like we're just trying to get through life, aren't we? And have a bit of fun. And so, yeah, that, that's partly why I do that is I'm quite happy to take the mick out of myself because, you know, it, it keep, right? keep, keeps me grounded. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing those dancing reels. And the only reason I've not done a dancing reel is because I don't even know how to do a reel, right? I saw, <laughs> I saw someone post one where they were showing their development and their face was in the corner as they were talking through. And I was like, oh, I don't even know how yeah. to do it. That looks good. Yeah, yeah. So I'll I show to... you. I'll, oh, I'll send you a video after this. There you go. See, I can't say that I want to help people and then not help you. <laughs> But if, yeah. if people want to find me, I'm, I'm on Instagram socials. Uh, uh, Capstone Fox is my, my main page, but I also have uh, a company called The Fox Club, uh, which is my platform for business and property where I help people start and scale um, whatever stage of the process they're at. So, yeah, if they want, people want to link up, then I'm, I'm on there. Love it. Love it. Love it, Charlie. Brilliant. Have a great week and can't wait to see some more dancing. You too. Thanks for having me, Caroline. Have a good one. Thank you, everybody. Yeah. Cheers. Bye. Bye. <laughs> I love catching up with Charlie. I've got a lot of time for him. Um, the fact that he shares very same 
uh, ethics and morality around investing in this industry where when money's involved, people's egos and greed can really get carried away and to stay grounded and focusing on why you're doing the investing in the first place is such an important lesson and I think he's got a lot of wisdom that he shared with us this week. I hope you enjoyed that and once again of course you can catch us and uh, stay in touch with everything that we do at Property Wealth System on our Property Wealth System Facebook community page and on our website. Check us out and we'll bring you more great content again next week.